0: Thanks, man. I had someone say to me uh, this morning, oh, so um, did, you, did you prepare anything this morning? Because we're just watching a movie, aren't we? Uh, it's not quite how it works. We're not just going to watch a movie for the next hour and a half. You could have done that at home. Um, but uh, we are going to talk about some movies. And we're starting with an animated movie. Um, they're not all going to be animated in this series, but um, we thought we'd ease you in. Uh, with an animated movie, uh, it's called Ralph Breaks the Internet. Just a show of hands, has anybody seen Ralph Breaks? Oh, good, good. There's a smattering of you have. Uh, it's the sequel to Wreck-It Ralph. How many of you seen Wreck-It Ralph? Uh, a few more. That's good. Okay, so um, I'll, as we go, I will I will explain bits of the movie, and and, and there are going to be plot spoilers. I warn you, but it's not the kind of movie that has these, you know, big reveals and this crazy ending, with the big twist in it. So it's not going to ruin it for you. You can still go out and watch the movie. Um, so so just to give you a little bit of background, we'll actually watch the trailer shortly because that gives you a good synopsis. But um, Wreck-It Ralph, the original movie, is about this arcade character called Ralph, and he's in, you know, the old school arcade game machines, we don't really have them anymore, you have it at the, uh, the local um, fish and chip shop. He's in one of those in, a, in a, um, an arcade, and uh, his, ga- his, his game, there's a guy called Fix It Felix who builds a building, and Rick It Ralph is the big guy on top who tears it all down. And uh, in, in the original story, he befriends a character um, called um, Vanellope von Schweetz, uh, and she's in a game called Sugar Rush, uh, which is like a candy cart racing game. And they have this big adventure, and it's all very cool. You can go and watch that yourself. But in the second one, which we are talking about today, it's set six years on uh, from the original. And so I'll let the uh, the movie tell you a bit more, and then we'll dive into it. Let's get it, give it up for our, uh, our sound and tech uh, guys, because they do a great job. It's not an easy job, they were running around this morning like Headless Chicken's trying to uh, sort it all out and uh, hopefully they did. Uh, Otherwise, it's gonna be interesting. Um, Here we go, cue movie. Here it is. Ah, it's big, oh. The next thing I know my game is just
1: on (laughs) oh no i'm freaking out hard
2: if i'm not a racer what am i
1: oh you're my best friend all we gotta do is find the part to fix your game everything goes back to the way it was
2: but where are we gonna find that the internet what Wow. Get rid of belly fat using this get one weird trick. Sassy housewives want to meet you. You do. Want to get rich playing video games? Slaughter race. He's wicked dangerous.
1: Oh, yep, i might have oh, oh, It was a one, oh. but it was oh, an old. Oh. Oh, nice kitty. Nice kitty. <laughs> 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 nah, attention to detail is pretty impressive. Well, well, well. Who are you? I think we should get out of here.
2: showtime let's race come and get it get back on the track there is no track i can drive anywhere
1: i love it here who knew there's so many babies and cats in the world
2: Ah, that is what the internet was made for it's full of weirdos i want this to be my life I i don't think i could ever tell ralph There's no law saying best friends have
0: to have the same dreams. This is what's called the dark net.
1: Are you sure this is safe? Just whatever you do, do not look at his little brother. Oh, his little brother? What are you doing here? <clears throat> the reason I came to your neck of the face. I mean, there's a face in your neck. I mean, woods. Neck of the woods.
0: Awesome. Okay, so now you're going to want to go and watch the movie. Uh, it's a good one. We watched it with our, with our kids, and they loved it. But basically, um, Ralph and Vanellope um their best mates. So it's six years down the track from the first movie. Um and they hang out together all the time. After the they kind of do their games during the day and then um at night they just kinda of hang out in the kind of behind the arcade. It's it's make believe. Uh I don't know where exactly they're hanging out. Um but they're best mates and uh but their relationship is, is interesting in that uh Vanellope, she's actually a little bit bored. She does the same Three races, thousands and thousands of times. And uh, while Ralph does the same thing all the time, he's actually quite happy with it. And he really enjoys his friendship with Vanellope especially and enjoys his life. Um, but Vanellope's getting a bit bored. But having a boring game is better than having no game at all, uh, which is kind of what happens. You saw the broken uh, steering wheel. Her, her, her game gets broken, and it, it, does, it just doesn't pay for the, uh, the uh, arcade owner to to replace the steering wheel and so they're going to unplug the game and it's going to be toast and that means Vanellope's kind of to toast as well so um, so they decide that they're going to go they find this place called ebay it's amazing place and they're going to go to the internet and they're going to buy a steering wheel for Vanellope so she can restart her game and, and live her life okay Good. Now, I'm just going to break with the plot analysis for a bit and just want to just unpack uh, something that's very unique about this movie that I think also speaks to us today. You see, in most Disney movies, there is a bad guy, right? There's always a bad guy. You know, Aladdin, you've got Jafar and, um, you know, in the, uh, well, Let's think. The evil queen in uh, Snow White. We've got Cinderella has her her stepmoms, her stepsisters. Peter Pan has Captain Hook. Um, Lion King has Scar. Come on. We we, we all know these. I could go on listing and listing them. But you see, in this movie, it's a bit different. The villain is within. And actually, that's a truth. For all of us, you see, Disney has actually been growing up a bit. It's been changing. It always was uh, a distant uh, evil villain that was just pure evil, but now you see more and more movies like like Frozen, for example. The the villain in that is well, there's a there's a bad egg prince, but actually, it's Elsa's own icy issues uh, that that are the the villain in that. And and we could we actually have talked about a movie called Inside Out, where your emotions are kind of the bad guys, the uh, the key protagonists. And here in Ralph Breaks the Internet, the key bad guy is actually Ralph himself, which is interesting. And if we think about that for us. It's actually a very human condition. It goes right back to the beginning. See, and we'll go back there right now. Biblically, in the very beginning, the bad guy was external. The bad guy was Outward to us, you know. Originally, Adam and Eve—they are at one with God. There is no evil, and then, and then we know the story: the the snake comes along and starts talking. I just actually wanted to do all animals talk in the garden. That would have been cool, but, uh, but anyway, the snake, because it's embodiment of of Satan and the enemy, starts talking to Eve, and says, you know, did God really say you shouldn't eat from the tree the knowledge good and evil, and and, and and Eve is tempted to eat from the tree of the knowledge good evil, the very tree that God expressly forbade them to eat from. And, and she does, and she gives some to Adam. And at that point, the villain moves from being external to being internal. It's, it's, it's fascinating. Let's just look at the passage itself. Genesis, I'm going to give you some scripture. Not, we're not just watching movies. Genesis 3, 7 to 8. It says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So sin enters straight away, and the first thing that happens for them is they feel shame, which is, which is a bit weird, right? that they should feel shame before one another. Because, you know, it's not like Adam is like, oh man, I haven't got the abs and the big guns that the guy that I saw at the gym yesterday has got. Because there is no guy and there is no gym, right? Like they're alone. There's just Adam, there's just Eve. It's not like Eve is comparing herself to all the other ladies as some ladies are prone to do. Uh, It's not like that's an issue because they're alone. So who are they comparing themselves to? Why is it all of a sudden this shame has entered? Completely unjustified, completely uninvited, where well, they've kind of invited in. it, it? It tells me that it's a spiritual battle, that actually it's not about you know everyone else around us. It's something that's happened within them that has changed. And shame and insecurity has come into their hearts. Because before that, They were naked and unashamed. Just just read it in in Genesis 2.25. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Something was broken in that moment in in the human heart and shame and insecurity came into their lives. And not just before one another, but before God as well. Because when God comes along, as he has done, they've been walking with him in the garden They hide. They hide from their creator, the one who loves them, the one who knows them, the one who cares for them so much. They hide. See, Disney is right. The villain is actually now within. Because the single greatest thing that will keep us from God, from our God-given destiny, from all he has for us, from a a life of fulfillment and and promise, is not other people. It's not external events or circumstances or things that happen to us, the greatest thing that will keep us from God is us. It's you. It's me. Everybody. But we don't like that inconvenient truth. We don't handle that truth very well. And if we go back to Genesis 3, we see what happens. Because as soon as we kind of get that truth... Well, as soon as Adam Adam and Eve get that truth, they start to reject it. Let's see what happens. God asked him two questions. Genesis 3, 11 to 13. He says, and he said, God saying, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? So he asks Adam two questions. The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this? You have done. And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. I find this really interesting. God asked two questions of Adam. First question, Adam completely ignores. He doesn't even address it. He doesn't answer it. He ignores the first question, which, you know, he, he could, have, could have answered. And then, and then he shifts on to the next question on which he can shift the blame. And I think that's so true of us today. Like when, when God asks a question of us, often we just kind of, uh, but what about this? And we, we shift the question. Or we ask a different question in which we can blame someone else. Or we can blame something else. We can blame some circumstance. And that can be anything. It can be your upbringing. It can be your, your schooling. It can be your friends. It can be your family. It can be your workplace. It can be your whatever it is. We shift the blame. Started right back there. Adam is shifting the blame. God God asks a question of Eve, and it's it's a bit more of an open-ended question. He says, "Just what have you done? Uh, and, what have you done, Eve?" But rather than owning it and, and apologising, she says, "You know, uh, the serpent. He deceived me." See, it's the it's the human condition to look externally for something else to blame whether it's a person or a circumstance or whatever, someone or something else to blame. But Disney got it right with Rick and Ralph because the enemy is actually within. Now, that doesn't mean we get all self-condemning and, and start you know hating on ourselves. It simply means that we have to look no longer to the external circumstances, but actually to our own hearts to find the answers in our lives. We need to actually address the issues inside ourselves rather than blaming the ones around us. We need to own the change. You're really quiet this morning, church. I don't know, am I really, is this hitting home too early? Do you think you were coming like, the movie night? we're just going to sit around and watch movies, it's going to be fun. No, no, I'm going to challenge you. <laughs> I tell you what, the more the more, more feedback you give me, the better I'll preach as well. So uh so so give it to me encouragingly. Um I know it's a I know it's a hard pill I know it's a hard pill to swallow. But actually we need to address the issues in our own hearts. We need to stop looking externally. So it's a tr- it's a truth that going back to the movie, it's a truth that Ralph has to learn. And uh and and the, the villain for Ralph the villain within for him is his insecurity. Ralph has become codependent on Vanellope von Schweetz, the little racer, and uh, and and basically they have this friendship, but on on Ralph's side it's not very healthy. He he wants to keep things the same. He wants them to always be best friends and always hang out just the way they always have, and and, and he finds a lot of his self worth and his self affirmation in that friendship. He's very secure in that friendship to the point that he becomes very selfish about it. And so when they visit the internet, they end up playing this game, you saw it on there called Slaughter Race. There's a brilliant song, like Disney princess themed song called Slaughter Race. It's worth the movie just just for that. Um, But Vanellope, she loves it. She finds fulfillment in doing this thing which is far more challenging than her old boring arcade game. and, 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 And she wants to stay there. And of course, for Ralph, this would be like no more friendship there. And he can't see beyond that. And, uh, and, and we're, we're going to watch a, a scene right now where um, Ralph um, kind of he, 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 he sees a, a conversation between the key Slaughter Race character, Shank, and Vanellope. And he's, he's observing it and he can't actually interact, but he, he sees him talking about it. So let's have a look. Hey,
2: can I tell you something that I don't think I could ever tell Ralph? Of course. I know it sounds crazy, but the second I walked into this game, it felt, well, it, it felt like home. I mean, more than Sugar Rush ever did. Oh, yeah? How so? Because it's like my dream. It's full of weirdos, and the racing is super dangerous, and, you know, you never know what's going to happen next. I mean, back home, I know exactly what's going to happen next, because Ralph's dream is to do the same thing every day. Hmm. Here's something I wish I'd learned years ago.
0: There's no law saying best friends have to have the same dreams.
2: You know? Well, yeah. You are a very wise person, Shank. And a good friend, too. <laughs> thank you. Around here, Pips like to say, thank you. <laughs>
1: You know, after you go home and your life gets back to normal, you're always welcome here. But
2: that's the thing. I want this to be my normal. I want this to be my life. I can't go home now.
0: I just can't. So it's very sad for Ralph, as you can see. He observes this interaction, and uh, this just feeds on his insecurity uh he sees himself losing his best friend and someone who he's become unhealthily dependent upon and then to make it worse we're going to watch another uh, scene very very soon ralph so ralph to, to to buy back that steering wheel to get vanellope back in a game he's gone to the internet and he started making youtube videos <laughs> to make money uh and um and which is fine, you know. People do that legitimately as a job. It's weird, but they do. Um, but he's making these silly videos, and what he what he foolishly does, though, and what you should never do is he do is he is he goes and starts looking at the comments section uh, on the video, and and we'll just we'll watch this scene uh, quickly, and, and then we'll talk about it.
1: it. Who's in here. Hello, anybody in here? is this place? Some kind of library? Wreck-It Ralph is back. Hey, you're talking about me. Gee whiz, the internet is so positive. Fix-It Felix Jr. was my favorite game. (laughs) Mine too. Ralph's videos stink. What? So stupid. Ralph is the worst. I hate him. He's so fat and ugly. Just a worthless bum, alone on a pile of bricks.
2: Yo Ralph! You You here, dude? Hey, I gotta show
1: you! First rule of the internet. Do not read the comments should have told you that. Look, this place can bring out the worst in some people,
2: but you got to ignore all this. This isn't about you, Ralph. It's about them.
0: Uh, We'll stop there. It looks like we have. Um, It's so true. I don't know if you've the internet, especially with the anonymity that people have uh, sometimes, is a cruel, cruel place. And if you're feeling insecure, if you already have those issues in your life, then, mate, if you want to make them worse, go to the internet. Go find other people to, to, um, to bring you down. It's an extremely dangerous place, and, and it feeds insecurity. But I tell you what, there's, it's, it's not just the internet that, that can feed our insecurity, It's when we look externally for the affirmation of others. It's when we look externally, and that can be, you know, it can be online for how many likes we get on Facebook or Instagram, but it can also be just in in someone commenting on our appearance or complimenting us on something we've done or encouraging us in, in our world. And, you know, we do that. We naturally start to look externally for affirmation from other people like I'm doing right now, from you. Oh, yeah, it does. It makes me feel better. <laughs> but but the thing is, if I find my self worth and how many laughs I get or how many times uh, people say, yeah, good sermon afterwards, then there's something wrong. And I'm always just going to be being fed on that insecurity. Perhaps it's not something as superficial as that for you, but... I think we all do it. We all look to others and circumstances, relationships for our security, for our sense of self-worth. But it's a dangerous game to play. It's an unhealthy game to play. And and often, because often the things that people say, the things that they do, says far more about them than it does about you. You know, and, and, and that's, that's actually the way it works. Someone who's just an encouraging person will probably just say encouraging things to you. Regardless if you've done anything awesome or not. You still can receive that and let that build you up, but don't rely on that. Don't rely on that for to, to, to define who you are. So how do we deal with the, the insecurity in ourselves? How do we address it? I think the first step and possibly the biggest step is, is just having self-awareness. It's just recognizing the insecurity in ourselves and recognizing when we're acting out of our own insecurity. You know, the biggest challenge for Ralph in this movie was to recognize his own insecurity. I think that's the case for us. I'm I'm, I'm massive on self-awareness because I think actually without it, as Christians, we live a very shallow and uh, ineffective life without some some degree of reflection on where we're at and the state of our own heart we actually need to take time every week every day to sit with God allow him to ask tough questions of ourselves sit with other people and have the humility to to say hey what are the issues that you see in my life what are some of the things that is this healthy am i doing this right is this you know allow other people to ask tough questions of yourself allow the Bible to speak into your life. I love that the Bible is actually an amazing mirror when it comes to this idea of self-awareness. Just that idea that we don't read the Bible, the Bible reads us. That when we see ourselves in the in the stories, and the characters, and their faults, and then their problems from the Bible, then and we allow them to speak to our own problems and issues. That's, that's how to read the Bible. That is allowing the Bible to, to come in and change us. You don't just read it so you tick off your Bible reading plan. You read it so it changes you. So it starts to, to peel back some of the layers of your heart. We need to allow God to speak into our insecurities. And there are many, many forms that those insecurities take. For Ralph, obviously that was, it was his friendship with Vanellope. That's one place that we can look to for our own security, our sense of self and, and confidence. But there are many others. Depending on your personality and, and you know how, how you are made up, see if any of these resonate with you. Being good at what you do and being recognized for that. Achieving in some area. Being loved and appreciated by many people. Being loved and appreciated by just a small handful of people. Being affirmed verbally. Being the center of attention. You know, getting the laughs. Being the the life of the party. Being seen as being different or unique. Whether it's in the way you dress or the way you act or the things that you do. Just being, being different. Or maybe it's being the same. Fitting in with everyone else. See, there's so many ways that our underlying insecurities are outworked in the way we live. But we just don't actually stop and take the time to think about it and to deal with it. Now, I'm not advocating we overanalyze every aspect of our lives and we, you know, kind of psychoanalyze ourselves and all our motives. But sometimes I think it's healthy just to, to stop and say, why am I, why am I acting like this? Why, why, why do I react like this? Why does this make me angry? or, or it, What is the anxiety or the, the, the insecurity that this thing is touching in my heart that is making me react this way? Jesus was the master of asking this question. I just got one passage here, one story. I'm going to read it to you where, where he asks a question of someone and it touches on their insecurity. Matthew 19. Verse 16, just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? he inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. Impressive. What what do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go. Sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus knew where this young man's sense of security and self-worth came from. It came from his Monetary possessions it came from his wealth and and Jesus knew that about him and so he knew when that asked, he asked that of him, the man had a choice he could either deal with that insecurity by by releasing it and following Jesus or he could just go on living the way that he was and he chose the latter and and it's a good question to ask us ourselves. What are the things that, you know, whether it's a relationship or a job or a position that we hold on to as a defining feature of who we are? And if God were to ask us to let it go, could we? I'm not saying that God will ask you to let it go, but could you let it go? What if Jesus was to stand before you and say, I want you to give up this job? and do something else because it's become a security blanket for you and you're just you're just safe and actually it's holding you back. Or, or I want you to leave the city. I want you to go somewhere else where I can release you into what I've called you to do. Or I want you to let this person in your life go. You're holding them too tight. It's unhealthy, the relationship that you have. This was the issue for Ralph. He was holding Vanellope back because he didn't want to lose her friendship. But by holding her, he made, things worse. Far, far worse. So in the movie, Ralph releases a computer virus into the slaughter race game that Vanellope wants to stay in, right? And and the problem is it's a, it's an insecurity virus. And uh, so it latches onto anything that's insecure in the internet. And it latches onto the biggest insecure thing in the internet at that time is Ralph. And so it latches onto him. And it forms this mega Ralph. Um, and, and that's all intent on keeping Vanellope as his friend. Um, And it happens, to quote a character from the movie, because of Ralph's needy, clingy, self-destructive behavior. So the answer, the answer for Ralph and the answer for us to all our insecurities is love. And so we'll watch how this plays out for Ralph, and then we'll talk about how it can apply for us.
2: Stop it! You're squashing him! You're gonna kill my best friend! Fine, you win, you win, okay? Just... please, put him down. I'll, I'll be your only friend, okay? Just let him go. No, no, kid! That's it. That's it, yeah. Put him down, and I'll go with you, and we'll, we'll be best friends forever. <laughs> Just me and you. That's what you want, right? <laughs> well, that's not what I want.
1: It's not right to hold a friend back from her dreams. You don't own her. That's not how friendship works. You need to let her go. <sighs> hey. You need to let her go. I know. It's gonna hurt a little bit when you do. Oh, who am I kidding? It's gonna hurt a lot. But you're gonna be okay. And we're gonna be okay. Right, kid?
2: Of course we are. Always. See?
1: No matter where she goes, or where she lives, she's always gonna be our friend, and we just gotta trust her. Cause that's what best friends do. Right?
2: Thanks, buddy. Good about this. Ralph, whoops. I think
0: you fixed your insecurity. <laughs> You're right. Woo-hoo. Yeah. He survives that fall. Um. So Ralph, you can get rid of that. <laughs> Fixes his insecurity by loving Vanellope enough. To let her go. This works at a friend level, but it actually works at, at multiple levels. Um, when two people get married, often other friends kind of realize that that you know their old friendship with that person has changed. You know they have to two people become one, and and so they have to kind of let that happen. I, I think a big one actually is is parents letting go of kids. Because um, in this in this movie, Ralph is kinda like a father figure, um, to Vanellope, like he, he calls her a kid and and uh you know, you don't love your children by not letting them go. Uh I haven't faced this yet as a dad, um because my house is only eleven. Um, but you know, I obviously went through it leaving home as a teenager and a lot of you will have been through that as well. And and I think there's something it's that's, that's very true that we don't. when we try and manipulate our kids and, and get them to stay close for our own benefit, so that we you know keep that relate, that's actually unhealthy. Um, and we need, we need to learn how to let them go. It's the loving thing to do. because you see, insecurity will always act out of fear, whereas love always acts generously. Insecurity is like a hand coming down and controlling, whereas love is like a hand coming underneath and lifting someone up. It's a nice image. Uh, it's a powerful image that if you feel like you're having to control a relationship, control a, a child or a person or a, a situation rather than coming under it and, and and giving it up to God and saying, no, actually i release this person to become all that they've called to be. And i love them and I'll support them in that. But I won't manipulate, I won't control. Can I invite the keys up? Love is actually the answer to our insecurities. The love that ultimately stems from God. God and the Bible says he is love, God is love. And I would suggest that all of us that we need to continually come back to that love to find our security, to find who we are in Christ. Not find them in our in our friendships, not find them in our achievements, in our in our roles, and the recognition we get from those roles, not even find it in our family, not even find it in our church. We find who we are in God, in Christ alone. The answer to all our insecurities is the love of God. It's, It's simple, yet it's incredibly profound and also challenging to work out in our lives. You know, I I struggle with insecurity as much as the next person. I, I struggle to, you know, it's fine when I feel like I'm being a good dad and I'm being a good pastor and I'm doing good in, in the areas of my life. But but what about when I'm not? When I feel like uh, I'm, I haven't been very present with my kids. I'm not being a great father. I'm not, you know, doing great at church or other stuff. Where's my security there? Is, it, is, it, is it in my wife? I mean, she's awesome, but that's not where it should be. Is it in what I do? Is it in my kids? Is it in my friendships In my past achievements? It's none of those things. It needs to be in God. And there are some amazing passages. I, I don't have time to list them all, but I just want to draw on one that speak to our self-worth. And I I believe it's going to speak to you today. It's in Psalm 139. Actually, you could read all of Psalm 139, but this particular passage in, in verse 13 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Do you know that full well that you are fearfully and wonderfully made that you are wonderful that just as you are God loves you to pieces You know Jesus he talked about how God's eye was on the sparrow a, a sparrow doesn't fall to the ground without him noticing and you are so much more valuable than that He knows the hairs he counts every hair on your head He knows you intimately And He loves you passionately. And that's something we all need to to grasp and to realize afresh today. Because that is the answer to all our insecurities. That is the answer to all our shame. I talked at the start about the first thing that entered Adam and Eve when when they were tempted by the, the snake was shame insecurity about who they were, the answer to that, if, you, if you're if you feeling ashamed about something in your life, if you're feeling insecure about a friendship, if you're feeling insecure about your work or your family or anything, the answer is found in what Jesus says about you, about what God says about you. I just actually want us to take some time this morning to allow God to speak to us because I can I can quote scripture at you. I can talk to the cows come home about the love of God for you. But actually, you need to hear it for yourself. You need to receive it for yourself. So why don't you stand to your feet in this place? We're going to take some time. Because just like in the beginning, when shame and insecurity entered in Adam and Eve, it was a spiritual thing. It's just just like that. It came into their heart. So there's a spiritual element to it. You You don't just need to to change the way you think, you actually need to open yourself up to God and allow Him to speak to who you are. So in this moment, I'm going to pray, but I tell you what, I'd invite you, if you if you feel brave, to come down the front. Some of our leaders will pray for you, lay hands on you, and and, and we're going to believe that you're going to see breakthrough in this area. Because I, I believe there are people here this morning, you, you've dealt with, you're dealing with insecurity right now. There's anxiety, there's fear in your heart, there's, there's insecurity around who you are, about uh, interacting with other people, um, about your friendships, about your, even about your marriage or about your, your family. There's insecurity there. God wants to deal with that this morning. He wants to touch that. He wants to bring breakthrough in there. So I'm going to pray. The worship team's going to come and we'll, we'll sing. But I invite you, calm down. Would love to pray with you. We'd love to see some breakthrough in your heart. Father, I thank you that you love us with an unending love, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made in your image. We are your masterpieces and you love us despite all our insecurities and fears, despite all our sin and brokenness, you love us. And God, I pray right now in this moment, you will come and you will speak. Holy Spirit, you will speak into hearts the truth of your love. You will speak the word that they need to hear today. And why don't you just open your heart? Maybe you need to raise your hands. Maybe you need to to, to kneel before I don't know but in response to him let's be open let's let God speak in this moment